0: It's the criterion. It's the criterion. 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 N, 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 N. Cr-
1: welcome to the criterion project and this is the show where we like to talk about one of the films on the criterion channel and we give our hot takes and it's super fun and i'm film critic rachel wagner and conrado is here
0: yes he is hey rachel how you doing
1: doing good and we have very special guest one of my good friends we have stanford clark is here hi how's it going
2: We're all doing great. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for the invitation. I'm so happy to be here with you both and to talk about some awesome stuff.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And the reason why we're talking about all about Eve today and the reason why I wanted to have Stanford on to talk about this film was because we first met actually going to a re-release a think TC- i think it was the t- uh, tmc it
2: was the tcm, TCM the t- big screen t- classic screening of of, yeah. of all about eve
1: yeah oh wow we, we had gotten connected through a mutual online friend of ours you you know um mark the animation commendation who has his uh oh yeah of course i've been in
0: yeah, yeah yeah definitely yeah. i've been on his uh who wants to be a millionaire oh, okay. uh, show
2: yeah i think all three of us have haven't we <laughs> yeah.
0: great
1: I'll never forgive Flintstones.
2: stones
1: <laughs> 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 uh, but uh but we we're mutual friends with mark and he knew i think that we were both in utah and that we both were disney bloggers and that we he thought, "Oh, you will really hit it off," so he kind of matchmates mm-hmm. <laughs> us, um, uh, and yeah. so we met up uh, to, and we went to All About Eve, and then we got ice cream after, and we just talked for like a good hour at least, and just really hit it off and became friends, and so All About Eve,
0: <laughs> fantastic, <laughs>
1: yeah. So <laughs> uh, it's yeah, been it's really great. fun, and we've done the. Uh, Talking Disney podcast, where we reviewed every single film in the Disney canon. We just right. finished uh, in December, so that was pretty fun.
0: I've been on that one, too. We uh, talked yeah. about uh, Robin Hood, Robin which was great.
2: That's, mm-hmm. that's where we got to talk. That's where yeah. I, I got to meet you, Colorado, so that was fantastic. So Yeah,
0: that's right. So that, so that podcast is over, I guess, for the moment, because the Disney canon is always uh, evolving, right? There's yeah. always a new Disney movie coming out
1: what we've been doing we just started this month uh, it's gonna be uh, the I think I'm gonna post it the week this airs this episode airs uh, We are bringing on fellow youtubers youtubers and podcasters that have done a Disney Canon ranking so we might have you on Conrado one of these days
0: we're ah. talking to them about
1: their ranking so we have Dave Lee on in February uh, who has a great uh, animation uh, YouTube channel. We're gonna mm-hmm. talk to him about his ranking and so that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, these next couple months before um, Strange World comes out in um, September. Uh,
0: oh, so, that's great. That sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. You should also have our previous guest, Tim Braden on. He is also a big Aww. Disney canon guy. He also yeah. rewatched the movies recently.
1: Oh, that's a good suggestion. I'll have to write that down. Because uh, uh, a lot of people have reviewed the films, but not all the films. And I think there's something special when you have that full mm-hmm. canon watch in. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, that's right.
1: Uh, yeah, so it's it's been super fun, and but Stanford, since this is your first time on this uh, show, why don't you introduce yourself to our our listeners?
2: Well, thank you. As Rachel said, we uh, we uh, met over classic film, uh, you know, through through a mutual friend. I, I'm a big, uh, just a movie buff, but I, I particularly love classic movies too. I have a movie podcast and blog, uh, which I call Movies Past and Present. So mm-hmm. it's available at moviespastandpresent.com and and, all, and and also on all all places where you where you get podcasts. Uh, also at moviespastandpresent.com com, I've got a a blog, and when there's time and interest, I try to put together an article or something. And then uh, and I typically have some kind of a movie watching project that's that's around classic classic films. So I'll be talking a bit about that in a moment, but. Uh, Also, I'm on Instagram, too. I I post a lot of just kind of movie fan content uh, on Instagram. It's at movies, P-A-P, as in uh, past and present.
0: Great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, what we like to do on this show is first talk about what we've been watching. And so, Conrado, why don't you start? What have you been watching recently?
0: I am so happy you're asking me this, Rachel, because I, as the time we're recording, I just spent all day yesterday at the Museum of the Moving Image, doing a marathon of all four Jackass movies. Jackass, Jackass number two, Jackass 3D, in 3D, which was great to see in the big screen, and the newest movie in the franchise, Jackass Forever, which is out now in cinemas for the people who are listening. I am a big fan of Jackass since I was a teenager because that's what it was on when I was a tween. And um, it was really great to see them on the big screen. Um, I went with my wife, who is also a fan, and it was really great. Um, and I thought I would bring it up because it was happening at the Museum of the Moving Image, which, you know, is kind of like a prestigious institution. And there was a and a afterwards. And uh, the curator of the museum, Eric Hines, interviewed Spike Jones and Johnny Knoxville. And, they, and he was mentioning how jackass has kind of become a little bit of a you know prestige brand you know relatively speaking from compared to when it came out because the latest movie is getting great reviews and it's it's a new york times critics pick and you know i feel like the culture has kind of cut up with it and it's become this kind of um Performance art, you know, I'm not going to be the first one to say that it's been set to death, but a lot of people have started to compare Jackass to kind of like silent comedy like Buster Keaton. And definitely in some of the movies, they recreate some of those stunts that he did back in the day. And um, I just think they're very clever, very funny movies in terms of like visually uh, funny gags and obviously death defiant stunts. And also, you know, very gross Teenage boy kind of humor, but um, that's what I love about them, and that's why I wanted to bring it up in this podcast specifically because it's something you wouldn't expect for the Criterion Project. But I think the discerning audience member, especially the starting with Jackass Number Two, I think the movies really find a very interesting style and a very funny, clever visual language. That it's mm-hmm. honestly a, a much more interesting use of of comedy visually in, in movies than a lot of other comedies that may, especially mainstream comedies that come around, especially in the last couple decades. So I think it's very interesting to view it in that way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I have never seen, I'm sure it's a huge shocker. I've never seen a Jackass
0: film. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it'll be your kind of humor, Rachel, although you might appreciate some of the stuff they do uh, just in terms of like how, most mostly the uh, kind of like the stunts stuff like the fist yeah. like you know but i think there's a lot of gross out humor that you would not appreciate for sure is it just painful though at a certain point to watch especially four of them in a row <laughs> um it was it was honestly it was kind of exhilarating for us it was it was totally immersive experience yeah, yeah. it was a lot but it was very fun there was breaks in betweens which was good but oh, that's um good. But it was also just like a totally immersive experience, which was great. Uh-huh. If something like that ever placed your town and you're listening and you're at all interested, I would recommend an experience yeah. like that.
2: <laughs> so was Johnny Knoxville there? Or yeah, was it... he
0: was there. Okay. He was there at the uh, after the, at the... It ended with uh, kind of like a preview of the newest movie. And he was there and um, he answered some questions from the audience. And he was uh, very nice. He looked very sharp. He had a really nice jacket.
1: So you haven't seen the the new one yet?
0: No, yeah, I saw it last night. It was oh, great. Okay. I loved it. I oh, mean, I loved okay. I love all of them, and I do think that um, the newest one is really great. You can tell that it's been ten years since. In uh, well, you know, there's the interesting way in which everyone is kind of older, but there's also new people, younger people coming in, but also um they spent 10 years like thinking up of things that they could do and writing them down so every single oh, moment that every single stunt is crazy it's like some of the craziest things i've ever seen so it def- they definitely go for it
1: yeah yeah wow that's an experience that's for that sure that is an experience <laughs> I,
2: I love it uh, uh, jackass isn't really my thing i've, I've i remember watching I and mean, i watched the show on mtv some mm-hmm. but they, it was just too gross for me or, or, mm-hmm. or too just mm-hmm. uncomfortable um and I saw the first film. I haven't seen these other films, although now you've got me interested possibly in seeing Jackass <laughs> forever, but I don't know. <laughs> I'll actually keep you posted.
0: Yeah, <laughs> let me know how it goes.
2: Okay.
1: But Stanford, what have you been watching?
2: Well, so as I mentioned, I always like to have some kind of a movie watching project each year. This year, I'm doing a deep dive into uh, the films of 20th Century Fox,
0: mm. uh, specifically
2: from when that the company started or the studio started in 1935. Um, it started with a merger of 20th century pictures and the Fox film corporation. And then they became 20th century Fox, uh, through 2019, which, which is when the Walt Disney company took ownership of, of the studio. And, uh, so I've been, I've, it's actually been tricky to pick, pick, uh, I picked about a hundred films that I'm going to hopefully watch throughout the year, of films mm. that I think are representative of of uh, the different genres, stars, and kind of themes of of, of films from from the studio. And uh, I've got the list on Letterboxd in case anybody is you know hasn't saw me yet wants to look at this list. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, one of the on, on on the Criterion Channel, there there are. Uh, there's a, a showcase of films that star the Nicholas brothers. Mm, sure, yeah. Have you ever seen the Nicholas brothers? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's two brothers and they are incredible tap dancers, incredibly athletic and um, really something. And uh, they, there are three films right now that the criterion channel is showing all films from 20th century Fox uh, that, I just love that. I just love watching uh, down Argentine way sun Valley serenade and stormy weather. And Mm, uh, I'd mm -hmm. highly recommend all three of those. If particularly if you like kind of classic Hollywood musicals, and also these are musicals that are very representative of, of 20th century Fox films of uh, the period. They're all from uh, the early 1940s. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am. In fact, I, the last film I watched, it was of, on Criterion Channel, but I'm around like 1943 is where, where I currently am of, mm-hmm. of films from Fox. As I mentioned, I started with films you know from 1935. Uh, anyway, so that's yeah, that's what I that's what I've been watching, and I hi- highly recommend, particularly Dan, I think Down Argentine Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, all three of them were fun, but Down Argentine Way that. and Stormy Weather were were just yeah horrific.
0: Cool. I've heard about stormy weather for a long time. I've been really wanting to see it, so this yeah. might be finally when I catch up with it. I think it.
2: you should. You know, uh, it's got an all-black uh, cast,
0: uh, mm, which,
2: mm-hmm. again, for the time period, was unusual. And yeah, uh, still so
1: even today, I feel like it's yeah,
0: well, yeah,
2: and just it's it's so good. I mean, these people are so. Uh, the cast is just phenomenal. And yeah, Lena Horne. A- and yeah. of course, the Nicholas brothers are in it. Cab Calloway. Um, I just, I just loved it. Yeah. Down Argentine Way is just fluffy, fun. There's, I read. A, I've also been reading some books about Fox, which kind of helped me pick out the movies you know to watch because Fox makes a. They, the 20th Century Fox was a very prolific studio. They, you know, crank have cranked out tons and tons of movies, mm-hmm. um, but they uh, made this uh, uh, this guy referred to them as flouncy, flouncy musicals, which I just love, I just love that word. <laughs> you know, just kind of these, kind of yeah. bouncy, inconsequential, but fun, you know? Right. So that's what I've been calling them. like the, 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 the flouncy, the flouncy Fox <laughs> musicals. <laughs> yeah, but
0: also the, some of the most extravagant ones, right? I think mm-hmm. Busby Berkeley is, worked at Fox and he did uh, a lot of really crazy musicals um, yeah. like, uh the gangs all here. If you guys have seen that, that's crazy, and they have some incredible, large scale production numbers, which I love.
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to to uh, check some of those out. I I'm not sure if I don't. I'm not sure if Buzzy Berkeley was involved with Down Argentine Way, which is one that I you know recently watched on Criterion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still it's just so fun. It's filmed in, in in I call it you know glorious Technicolor. Just it's just it's so great. And stars Betty Grable and Don Amici. And I could just, you know, watch it over and over. It's just uh, flouncy and, and really fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm looking at your list in letterbooks right now. There's a lot of uh, great movies on this list. Uh, a very interesting and, and a lot that you'll be watching, I assume, in the future. So it's, you know, you have a lot of John Ford movies. Yes. Um,
2: I just finished watching uh, a couple of John Ford Films, the grapes of wrath mm-hmm. and how green was my valley and, yeah uh, yeah john ford made some fox films for fox in fact daryl f zanuck who was the, the guy who ran fox for many years uh he really wanted to get a long-term contract with john ford and john ford uh, opted to stay independent right and and, and yeah made made films elsewhere but wow he's sure got a signature style and i i love watching sure love watching those some i had some of these i'd already seen but you know many of these I've, I've never seen before so
0: that's a great project such a variety of movies to to watch you know and from the 30s all the way to the today basically so um you know, thanks that's I'm very exciting fun.
2: it's off to a good start <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I thought that I would give a little sort of recap uh, to my experience at the Sundance Film Festival. Of course, it was virtual this year. Unfortunately, it was a bit of a bummer, but it is what it is. And uh, the, it's it was a weaker year for the festival. There weren't really any movies that I loved that I'm like super hyped on, you know, kind of very passionate. Like I was with Together Together last year, which was one I really loved and then flea last year i really loved uh but uh this year nothing i'm like super pumped about but some some solid films Uh, Mm a couple uh, that i recommend one called emergency which was uh, about three uh college students uh that uh find a through various controversies find this girl young girl who's passed out on their floor and they each have uh, different ideas of kind of what to do. Um, there are three people of color, um, college students. And it's both funny and incredibly tense. And what I thought well done um, and uh, surprising at times. Uh, so that was my favorite of anything that I watched at the festival. It starts mm. with something very shocking um, and then kind of goes from there. Uh, and, what was uh, the name again? It's called Emergency.
0: Emergency, all right.
1: And it's made by the same person who last year made a movie called R&J, which was kind of a um, uh, a new take on Romeo and Juliet, all done through social media. Oh, I thought it was clever. I, I liked it. It was out of South by Southwest, but a lot of people didn't like it. But
0: I, uh, I think right. he's an
1: interesting an interesting director
0: yeah i'm trying to uh, find his name so we can
1: carrie williams
0: carrie williams there you go
1: yeah all right and so then another favorite is called brian and charles and this is just a sweet movie about a quirky guy who builds a rope a seven foot robot to be his friend (laughs)
0: Uh, yeah it sounds like a Sundance movie yeah <laughs>
1: and I guess it's based on a short and so I'd be curious to see the short uh, because there are many times when I feel like oh this Sundance movie would be better as a short so I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if that's the case <laughs> but uh, but I thought it was charming and sweet and funny and so yeah I liked that one um, right. another one I liked is called Duel and this is a sci-fi movie Uh, starring karen gillam where they're in a dystopian and in this dystopian when you get a terminal illness you can have a choice whether to create a replicant of you so that your family doesn't have to live without you but so she does this and then she has a magical cure and she's saved but all this she still has to deal with this replicant and i guess what i liked about this is that i thought it had a little bit of a sense of humor it wasn't one of these like Sci-fi movies where where people just staring into space all the time and are super self-serious. And I'm just so bored with those movies. And there was one at the festival called Aftergang that everyone else seemed to love, but I thought was super dull. And (laughs) I much preferred this that was like a little fun. It was a little goofy. It was was still a sci-fi story. Um, Aaron Paul's in it. He's good. Has some fun action. I liked it. Uh, so those are my f- three favorites of the festival oh, wow. um there was a lot of good documentaries one on lucy Ball and uh desi arnaz called lucy and desi which i would think is way better than the sorkin movie <laughs> um and then uh free Tro- free troll su lee very interesting documentary about this uh Man who was on death row named Chol Su Lee in the seventies, and through this grassroots movement, they ended up getting him off death row. Um, and one called Fire of Love about this couple in the eighties that were volcanoologists, which I didn't even know was a thing. And their their footage was so incredible. Um, and there's one called The Princess, which was all about Princess Diana all told through media coverage of her life, which I thought was an interesting approach. Hmm. Um What's that me-
0: by by the guy who did Amy as if uh, Kapadia, is that right? Because that sounds like something he would do, but I don't think it is. It's got, directed by Ed Perkins is the name. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. that sounded very similar to Amy, so I thought maybe it was the same.
1: Oh, yeah. The, the Amy Winehouse? Amy
0: Winehouse, yeah.
1: Yeah, similar.
0: Yeah. I think at this point, we should really get into all about Eve because we've been going for a while. So um, why don't you take us there, Rachel? Yes. Um,
1: so, okay. So all about Eve. Uh, of course, this is the classic uh, film um, about the... Uh, um, the aging stage actress who gets subtly usurped by the young, uh, the young starlet who they don't realize is uh, trying to get her place in right. uh, the the stage. Um, and of course, it's famous for being nominated for the most um, for fourteen uh, Oscars, winning six, including Best Picture uh and uh it has it's the first it's the only film to receive four female acting nominations from for betty davis and baxter uh and celeste holm and Thelma ritter Uh, Mm -hmm. and it's widely considered as one of the greatest films of all time Uh, it was one of the first films 50 films to be selected for preservation by the the united states library of congress and deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. It was ranked number 16 on AFI's uh, 100 Best American Films. So it's 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 quite the achievement. And uh, a classic. I, yeah.
0: Yes, but indeed. also very important to our conversation. It's a 20th century Fox That's movie. I was going to say, so. <laughs> it's a Fox
2: movie <laughs> produced by Daryl F. Zanuck. And, and uh, yeah brought home a best picture award for the studio and, and, and it's just, yeah, just one of their, one of their really great films.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Stanford, what did you think kind of revisiting it? How'd you feel about it?
2: Oh, I'll watch this movie anytime. You know what <laughs> I mean? Uh, I, I just, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I watched it on criterion, uh, you know, appropriate to, for the podcast. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I have a copy of it cause, cause, cause I, Rachel kindly gave me one as <laughs> <It's> a gift. <laughs> um, but I just, this I, the movie special it's, it's, uh, it's so, uh, biting, but so, so brilliant. I, am in awe of, of Betty Davis's performance.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
2: Baxter is so good though too. And, but, uh, uh, everybody I just think it's a perfect cast perfect script terrific direction and I you know I would dare say it's it's a perfect movie for me there's not one thing I would change yeah
0: yeah Rachel I think you feel similarly right
1: yeah I just love it I think it's so great I love all the casting I I the script is I think just about perfect it's a um so well done and uh it even even to small roles like i I love Marilyn monroe in it and it's a small role she's she's great
0: it's i think is it her first uh screen role or at the very least i think it's her first credited uh screen role and she's
2: that's true
0: yeah and she is really great in it she is in only really one big uh, section of the movie which is the dinner party scene but mm-hmm. which I have to say that's my favorite part of the movie also it's like such a great uh, oh, sequence that, so well written which such party
2: sequence well.
0: incredible dialogue all around very funny Marilyn Monroe is very very funny playing kind of like a ditzy starlet mm-hmm. type of girl and betty davis in that whole sequence at the party some of the best drunk acting i have ever seen an incredible incredible performance especially Mm -hmm. in that scene i thought yeah
1: yeah fasten your seatbelts gonna be a bumpy ride so good uh
2: yeah
1: and you just get such a clear idea of who every single character is and i think i always admire what i what i call rich movies meaning that you don't just have one dynamic character who kind of leads the story you can go seven eight characters in and you get a full character arc for their for their uh, story and i think you can say that here where somebody like karen gets a full story she goes yeah. you know and she makes choices and she uh she has regrets and uh, you get a full thing lloyd bill uh you know even birdie's a great character like it's mm-hmm. I, it's really great I think in that sense that it's just not about your lead two characters it's a true ensemble film where everybody is, yeah. is firing it all
0: now that you mention it if, if there is one thing that I would say could make the movie uh-huh. better or what objection that I have is that Birdie kind of disappears in the second half and she's you such know, a great character
2: I always want to film a Ritter in like every scene <laughs> yeah, she's so funny, and we she's... were
0: just talking about her in Rear Window last episode, so yeah. uh, I'm really high in Thelma Ritter and at the moment.
1: I didn't realize that she was nominated for uh, for uh, uh that she was nominated in 1950, 1951, 1952, 1953, 1959,
0: and 1962.
1: Yeah. For best supporting actress kind of
0: crazy that she never won right i think it's one of those big kind of uh (laughs) you know that's kind of like annette benning or amy adams thing where you get nominated all the time but then you Mm -hmm. never win
1: yeah and they didn't She didn't live long enough for them to give her a like a give her something like that with peter o'toole or you know one of these other actors that one of those career
2: achievement awards because she died in uh,
1: 1969 uh, but anyway, I thought that was interesting that year after year after year. She even hosted the Oscars one. one wow! Year. So
0: clearly an Oscar favorite that <laughs> yeah. somehow never won. Never
1: won. Anyway, but yeah, I I think everybody is just absolutely great in this, and I I think Anne Baxter. I know some people I've heard say oh they didn't really like her, but I think she's great. She's so yeah, devious and, uh, and 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 yet you you kind of. You feel yeah. for her enough that you're. Well, it's a very tricky still...
0: character, yeah. right? Because you know, at the beginning, she's all kind of like bland and kind of like very, you know, subservient. But you're like something's going on with this woman, and then she becomes so kind of, uh, you know, some things are revealed about her, and and you start to feel less sympathetic. But there is a lot of complications to it, and and I think, um I don't know, how do you guys feel about Eve as a character? You know, the the whole thing of like. Uh, do you feel sympathetic for her? Do you, uh, f- you know, feel uh, like she is doing something very wrong and, and are not on her side because she's, you know, trying to like do anything she can in order to, to move up and become the big star in the show and that kind of thing? Uh, what do you guys think?
1: I, it's hard not to feel for her at first, but then when you learn that that was all a all manipulation, she she was basically playing the, the dead husband card, uh, then you kind of don't like her. I mean, somebody that's gonna, you know, pretend to have a, pretend to have a, uh, husband who died in the war. That's pretty low. Um, So I think by the end, you you don't like her. I don't like her.
2: Yeah. And I can't say that I feel, I don't, I don't feel sorry for her. I, I feel like she's a, a, somewhat, I don't know if complicated is even the word, a character who ultimately I love quoting it's, it's, it's from Nathaniel Hawthorne. Uh, uh, she gets ho- hoist by her own petard. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, she, she gets her own, her own come comeuppance. And I feel very satisfied by <laughs> that, even though it's, it's kind of sad and, and a, and a bummer, but I feel like she deserves it, <laughs> which maybe isn't very kind yeah. of me, but, uh, just think wow she's so manipulative and really kind of horrible
1: yeah and Uh, i love her and addison though that she finally kind of meets her match uh and uh, addison
0: is the the theater critic played Mm -hmm. by george sanders Sanders. won an oscar i think for this right
1: and he says it was an insult to dead heroes and the women who loved them Mm. that's good uh and he's so perfect in
0: this role
2: george sanders is so great wow. george sanders
0: definitely transcends what i would say is another uh, big element of all about eve which is that in general the women uh the f- female actors are better than the male and the female characters are better than the male characters or more interesting or, or more exciting performances in my opinion the guys i find bill and the other guy Lloyd, uh, oh. kind of bland But but Addison and George Sanders as Addison, he really steps it up and he can play with the women in this movie.
1: He did uh, win for uh, this movie. He did win the Oscar. And I think, though, that I think if we had any more strong characters, don't you think that it would just be too much? I think we kind of need Bill and Lloyd to be oh yeah, of... yeah
0: yeah yeah I, I don't say it as a as a criticism of, of the movie necessarily but I'm just saying like they those are characters that are not there to be flashy or yeah. like some of the most exciting ones but but George Sanders as Addison he, that's a, a flashy character yeah yeah
1: I agree I mean what did you think Conrado uh rewa or uh, watching this
0: I thought it was a great movie I had a great time. Um, it made me think about it a lot because I've you know I went to school for theater, so I've been doing theater for a long time and I live in New York. so um I was thinking a lot about the world of theater and 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 arts and that kind of thing and how um the movie, I think, in a very kind of canny way, uh, really captures the the fact that, you know, even though Eve is a very um, it, well, I don't know about very, but in many ways, an unlikable character and and a complicated character, like Stanford was saying. Um, it is true that in the theater, um, and, and, in, and in, especially in professional theater, I feel in my, you know, limited experience that I've had with it, that it really is populated by Eve, people like Eve, like, you know, people who are very... Uh, obsessed with getting what they want and they're incredibly ambitious, incredibly hardworking, and then will do whatever they can in order to get, uh, you know, their dreams to make their dreams become a reality. And that, and, but also they have to be that way a little bit because the other people who are there are just kind of um, people who've like kind of stumbled into it because of certain kind of privilege or connections, like the other characters in this movie who feel a little bit entitled to their place there you know and a little bit complacent and that can make that drive and that uh, a little bit feel a little bit uh uncouth or or less likable or, or or less understandable because for them um it's just the reality of their world you know so i thought that was very interesting and it was a very well observed uh way of putting it without making it too much of a everybody's unlikable kind of thing but a more of like a very nuanced in that way i guess is what i'm trying to say
1: well it does feel like sort of this cycle of uh, it feels like this cycle of the theater where you know at the end you have phoebe there doing the mm-hmm. same thing to eve that eve did to Margot, and yeah. you know that this cycle kind of just keeps going and, very and
0: going definitely and also very aware of the way that um women as they age are also treated in the theater and in the entertainment industry and how that is the cycle and the recycling Mm -hmm. aspect of it you know it's like very threatening to be a a, as big as a star as margot channing even uh seeing that there's younger people coming for your roles and coming to be the next big star and people will toss you to the side you know eventually so that's Mm -hmm. also i think very um very well portrayed and also very beautifully acted by Betty Davis. So I have to say, one of the great, great performances I've ever seen on film. I think she was so fantastic and so great at being biting, delivering the comedy wonderfully, not missing a beat, and also being very, very vulnerable. Uh, you know, being a very strong and a very vulnerable character at the same time, which is very, uh, very tricky. Yeah,
1: yeah, because you you do feel for her in a way that most sort of egotistical type of characters you you have a you don't feel for but she has these vulnerable moments that I think help you mm-hmm. and she's such a good friend you know that it makes you like her because she has all these great you know these friends who yeah. love her
0: yeah well, well like you were saying before Rachel it's because it's such a rich character you know with very with a lot of dimensions to it and and i think that's what the movie really benefits from and especially in the i would say in the main ladies uh that you, well i would say in Margot channing and also in uh, karen um and and to a degree in eve although eve you know obviously because of the nature of the role, she remains a little bit of an enigma and a weird kind of presence for a lot of the, for the first part of the movie. And you don't really get to see her full extent until the end. Right.
1: hmm And Stanford, would you say that your suspect of Eve immediately? I mean, it's hard because we've now seen the movie so many times, but uh, do you think they do a good job of kind of her character? Arc?
2: Oh, I do. I think the way that she's slowly revealed to be who she actually is, uh, mm-hmm. is expertly done you know initially because because she's so gracious and because she's so subservient it's to me it always seemed weird
0: yeah it's a little too gracious yeah
2: yeah There's like something is up with this you know character and sure enough uh you know and i didn't just i'm just trying to think about one of the one of my earlier watches of it but uh not sure if if i'm if I initially thought that she was gunning for you know to to take over margot's you know to become her or you know just to take over for her, but you can definitely tell that something something weird was going on with this woman
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and this is absolutely a movie that I don't think you could gender swap. There's just something about age and being a woman that's different. <laughs> than for a man even mm-hmm. even today i mean i just had my 41st birthday um wow and happy birthday i don't thank you um but there's something about i guess the options and the way society treats you and just the things yeah. that happen to our bodies that's just different for women than for men and uh so i think there there's a sort of desperation on the part of Margot that I, I think is very easy to kind of relate to and understand even today.
0: Definitely. And I would add to that as well. There is a very, uh, which is very well used in the movie, a very, a dis- kind of like a societal discomfort that we have with ambitious women, which yeah, is also placed into the whole Eve thing, you know, and how Eve is seen by the characters and how uh, how how reproachable we might find her um because of that as well and I and I think well you know we'll talk about remakes later but I feel like a there's a version of this movie that could get made today I think that would present Eve as less of a you know in a more um protagonistic even more sympathetic or or kind of in a in a you know girl boss kind of way like she gets Mm -hmm. away with it in a not like Gone Girl, but maybe like Itania or something, you know, mm-hmm. like those like antiheroes that are kind of like yeah. celebrated now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's talk about our questions. So first, why is this criterion worthy? It kind of, I feel like it sort of goes without saying, but for the record, Conrad, what do you think?
0: I think that this is a, a very, uh, a great movie, I would say, um, I think that maybe I'm not quite on the same uh, level as both of you guys who have seen it so many times and clearly love it so much. This was my first time seeing it, so maybe that uh, will also grow over the years. But I would say it's really great. Just not, I wouldn't put a level of a masterpiece. I would say that the performances to me stood out from the beginning. The script I also thought was very clever, but I also have a couple of kind of like moments that I, that I'm still trying to work through um and maybe actually I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about it one of them is uh, about the end um I'm not so sure that I that I fully believed where where um Eve is at the end with the new girl with Phoebe um uh just kind of like I feel like someone who's as clever as her I did I goes a little bit along with her i don't know if you guys think that it's a little bit because she's at that point so beaten down and so sad and tired that she kind of just goes along with it um but i had that question um what what do you think about that
1: i mean it is a little sort of i don't for lack of a better word sort of cute you know in the Mm -hmm. script trying to make everything play its full cycle but um but yeah she's kind of tired uh she's sort of worn out and so maybe a little vulnerable. Uh, I don't have a problem with it, but um, uh, I th- but
0: I think it's a bit what you're saying actually. Now that that you mentioned it, I think it is a little bit, and I think it works because it's kind of like the script uh, making like a thematic choice that is more s- stronger thematically than like a, like a character beat. I I, thought, I think maybe. And I and think I- we
1: want to see that character get some sort of just desserts by the end of it so that's sort of yeah.
0: our
2: little like ah. yeah
0: yeah and it's interesting that it's just implied you know we don't actually get to see the her downfall but we uh-huh. know what's coming
2: we yeah. know what's coming i yeah uh i'm with you i i don't think well in that it seems a little bit i mean for lack of a better word unrealistic you know as far as like she is she hasn't been that famous that long particularly mm-hmm. compared to Margot's margo's career right Mm-hmm. However, I feel like, it, as, as as you said, Colorado, it's really I I think a thematic choice, uh, because I think it's I think it's interesting that it's almost like I mean Eve's getting her comeuppance, but I felt like Eve really got her comeuppance when when Addison communicated that he owns right. her now, that he owns her now, you know that that her yeah. her agency is now gone and she has to her free agency, you know, her ability to choose is gone yeah she he owns mm-hmm. her but uh that the, the uh, phoebe isn't phoebe the name of the character yeah the, the, um to me this was more like it just ambition never dies the, mm. the, 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 <laughs> the ambition is always going to be somebody there i love the very final shot where you know phoebe's wearing the clothes and holding the award and She's surrounded by mirrors, you know, she's surrounded by images of herself, which is what she wants.
0: Yeah. And and, yeah,
2: and 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 think, yeah, you know, here's here's another person and then there will be another one after her. You know? Yeah. (laughs) The (laughs) mirror
0: um, also plays into that right of like, you know, there will be five, six, seven others like you who are also coming up. Yeah.
1: We should probably mention that this uh, was directed and written by Joseph L. Mankiewicz and it is in the uh, Mankiewicz collection uh, on the channel. So that's another reason why it was, you know, on the channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a very worthy film to to have on the Criterion definitely. channel.
0: <laughs> What's
2: the other issue that you have,
0: Colorado, with it? You actually mentioned it a little bit. Uh, it's, it has to do with Addison and it's that, I And this might be just that I missed it. So I'm really curious to see what you guys have to say about this. I don't fully understand what his motivation is with, with making Eve or, or you know, into getting Eve to be who she is and helping her out, so to speak, and then finally owning her at the end. Um, I didn't fully understand what was going on there. Like, my impression was that it's kind of like a, you know, gossip columnist kind of thing that he just wants to have like some sort of power. Is that what's going on or is there something I missed?
1: I think he senses a, a similar ruthlessness between the two of them. Uh, it, I guess a, almost a kindred spirit in that sense uh, that, uh, um, you know, he says, you're an improbable person, Eve. We have that in common. And mm-hmm. uh, so that, I think, is what he likes about her is that um, they are sort of intellectual equals in his eyes. And. That uh, know he says, "Do you have the same contempt for me that you have for them?" No mm. kind of thing, and I think that's why he's sort of intellectually attracted to her.
2: You know, Conrad. If I'm understanding your 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 question, for me, I interpret Addison DeWitt as, you know, supremely arrogant, of course, mm-hmm. but also somebody you know. He's not he's not creating the theater stuff. He's just, he's just critiquing it, but his column has got so much power. Right. He, you know, I think he kind of interprets himself as the king of, of, of Broadway. You know, he's the king of the theater district. Uh, Yeah. And, and uh, everybody just better just get out of his way. And he, you know, he, he, he makes the decisions. I, I feel like with Eve, it's it's like I think for him it's like she's disposable in a way in that you know sure he'll be able to take advantage of that but also just like with Phoebe I think there's like there's for him there always be somebody else too you know, that's true as far as his his uh, his control you know his wanting his desire to control people and, and to be king of the hill uh, yeah yeah
0: and he does so bring, bring marilyn like monroe to the party so that shows he always has like <laughs> a new girl coming that he yes. kind of wants to bring into the fold yeah
2: exactly that he's kind of i felt like that stuff with marilyn monroe was almost like he was auditioning the character you know he was auditioning her
0: yeah uh, totally <laughs> you know
2: uh just anyway exactly and so there's yeah i think there's always somebody else in the wings that's how i listen that's how i that's how i interpret it
0: yeah yeah
1: well, but, but what do we think about the pretentiousness scale? And this one, I really went back and forth on because uh, it—it's not—it doesn't feel all that pretentious to me, as far as like the artistic design or this or the plotting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think that the dialogue—you could make a claim that it's a little pretentious in the sense that nobody really talks like these people, you know, <laughs> like no one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so I think you could. I don't know, I was in between like four or five. What do you think, Marado? I
0: I think you're onto something because I think there is something pretentious about the uh, themes of the movie and the environment of the movie, right? The whole world of theater and this like intellectual people. And like you were saying, the way they talk, everyone is very catty and very clever, kind of like in an Oscar Wilde kind of way. So um, I definitely see something there that it's kind of like a little bit... Uh, highfalutin about it. So, but but I, at the same time, like you were saying, it's a very straightforward classic Hollywood movie. So I wouldn't go higher than like a five or something like that. Um, Stanford, what do you think?
2: Well, if I understand your scale correctly, my initial thought was that I'd give it a five because mm-hmm. I I don't really view it as pretentious. I think I think that it's very, in a lot of ways, to me, it feels like it's a play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way that the dialogue is you know that just, just like you could see this on a stage and and uh that would i think that would that it would work but i i guess i just have never viewed it as, as pretentious i just have, have viewed it more as as being uh, just rather brilliant <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i did yeah. find out through this uh getting ready for this podcast i found out that there is an all about eve musical called applause i I'd never known that. Well, oh, I didn't
2: know that. You know, yeah. Warren Bacall, I think, starred <laughs> yeah. in. in yeah.
1: A, uh, uh, so that was interesting. I also did my top 100 movies a couple of years ago, and I had All About Eve uh, at number 13. So no. I had a pretty high, pretty on my, high, yeah, right on right. my list. So, um, I did ask uh, our Twitter verse, uh, what they thought about this movie, and we got tons of responses. And I thought before we go into remakes, I would just uh, mention a few of them. Yeah, uh, we have, uh, the we have, um, Shut Up Matt, he says, one of my all time favorites, maybe. And then he also just says maybe do whatever happened to baby Jane too. Um, Rachel, oh. <laughs> Rachel. Have master you, see, movie
0: too. Have you yeah. both seen that movie?
1: I yeah. have. No, I have not.
0: Oh, I've seen, oh, Rachel, we should do <laughs> oh, it sometime. Rachel. Yeah.
2: You need to see that movie. <laughs> oh my.
1: Um, Rachel master says brilliant film. The interrelationships of the characters is fascinating. Eve is a careful manipulator whose arrogance causes her to overplay her hand. Fantastic. She says my favorite line is, is from addison is it possible even conceivable that you've confused me with that gang of backward children you play tricks on um -hmm. right zegman says terrific film the one film from film class that's struck that's stuck with me to this day top tier performances and screenplay uh margaret raspberry she says one of the best katie carter who's been on this uh show says it's everything Love Marilyn Monroe Uh, in this, too. Even though her role is very small, she's pitch perfect. She is. Mm -hmm. Dallin Ducky Roll says, one of my favorites of all time. Between the history behind it and the end product, it'll always be a significant piece of pop culture. Plus this scene when she has a gift from When Betty Davis says, uh, you can always put that award where your heart ought to be.
2: (laughs) That's Uh, one of the many great lines. And and delivered with such perfection.
1: A few more. Nostalgia Cast, he says, one of the most acerbic screenplays ever written, acted and directed with an energy that puts all of today's comedies to shame. Uh, And my friend Larry, Chili Boy Productions says, I love it recently had it on my team for best picture nominees winners uh and uh, so anyway there's a ton in here uh but uh it's a very very well-loved movie it's not one of those classics that people are like yeah it's pretty much universally loved so
0: yeah yeah and it's a go. great movie
1: yeah that's right all right so it was actually interesting because when i was thinking about a remake It wasn't Mm -hmm. as hard as I thought it was going to be because I, it's not mine is more sort of a reboot, I guess. But what I think would be interesting is to take this sort of basic story of the young, uh, clingy fan and the star and a little bit aging star. Mm -hmm. But I think it would be interesting to have it in the world of rock music. So you have like your sort of aging rock and roll star and you have your young musician that's kind of clinging to their, their everything, copying them, doing what they do. Maybe it gets a one kind of a one hit, first hit uh, and, uh, and then starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger as they, even maybe as they tour together. Um, I think that you could make something really fun. And if you got John Carney involved, I mean, I'm going to love it because I love him mm-hmm. and his music and his movies, it'd basically be kind of like, you could have Sing Street meets Almost Famous, and it'd be great.
0: Yeah, so. although I think you're missing a little bit of that uh, cynical edge, uh, Rachel, because yeah. John Carney is a very, you know, lovely, warm hearted guy. I can't imagine Authentic, him making you know. Yeah. yeah, that's
1: true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but uh, I
0: definitely would watch it if you gave it a shot. I'll tell you that yeah um i had also for me it was a little bit difficult because it the movie made me think of two movies that came later that already feel very much uh indebted to um all about eve that i love one of them we've talked about on the show before which is all about my mother which obviously the title is a is an homage to all about eve and it's a movie Actually, not unlike your John Carney um, idea, Rachel, it's a movie that I feel it's like a version of All About Eve, that it's much warmer, you know, that it's about all these women coming together instead of fighting with each other and and in the world of the theater. So that's an interesting take on it. And the other one is Showgirls, which I I love and I think Uh, is uh, definitely uh, a ridiculous but much also darker uh, and more even more cynical uh, play on on All About Eve, um, which you know about strippers in Vegas, or, or well, showgirls more so than strippers. But um, um, so I had a bit of a difficult time. But then I thought that the way to do it would be to go really meta and make like a movie about the making of a move, movie remake of All About Eve, in which the women who are playing the roles also are going through an All About Eve kind of a thing um And and you know, kind of maybe it's like a documentary kind of style or something like that. And the person who I thought of who uh, hasn't made a movie in a while, even though I do love some of his earlier movies, and who I think has that kind of like showbiz and theater credentials, plus and a very kind of like clever, cynical take to him is uh, John Cameron Mitchell, who made uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch many years ago, and who is a mm-hmm. uh, a very um, clever director and actor. So he could even act in it. I think he would be great in a role like uh, Addison, for example. Um, but um, yeah, I, I also, I just would love to see him make a movie because he hasn't made one in quite a while. It's definitely a movie that's caught a lot of attention. So um, I would love to see him tackle something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. That would be very interesting. Oh, uh, yeah, what about absolutely. you, Stanford? What do you got?
2: Well, you two are just so creative and fantastic. <laughs> I, you know, I'm really what just came in my mind is truly a straight remake where I, and I wouldn't even change the script. What I might change is, uh, or change some of the settings mm-hmm. that they would be concurrent, you know, to, to uh, modern day New York city. Uh-huh. But, uh, here's the cast that I propose.
0: Ooh.
2: And uh, uh, again, it's, it's, not that creative, but these are all actors that I think might would, would be interesting in the roles. I right. picked Michelle Pfeiffer as Margo. Oh. Maybe she's a, maybe she's a little older, but, but I adore that, Michelle Pfeiffer. I you, think she could pull it off.
0: You didn't have to say any other words, Stanford. You already have me as <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. I love <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. She would be so too. good as as a Margot Channing type of character. She, 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 yeah, was, she she's good. so good. And then uh,
2: I picked Florence Pugh as Eve. Huh? I was just trying to think of somebody young who could pull it off, who could yeah. be both charming but also really mm-hmm. manipulative. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely not good. only
0: that, but she even has like a bit of a Michelle Pfeiffer look yeah. to her in the and, eyes. They and look everything. You know, they yeah they look
2: uh yeah. Uh for Bill it was trickier for me, but I I just picked Bradley Cooper. I had just seen Nightmare Alley and mm. I thought his performance was so good in that that and and Bill a bit young. I think you know, isn't Bill a bit younger than Margot? I mean, isn't yeah, that yeah. part of the thing? So So um, I think that would work. For Karen, I picked Sandra Bullock. Ooh, uh, yeah, sure. I was trying to pick somebody who... Because one of the things I love about Celeste Tom is that she's so ebullient. You know, she's so... She can just kind of laugh at the drop of a hat. But uh, And I think Sandra Bullock can pull that kind of character off but also have some depth to it. I don't know if there's be mm-hmm. somebody... Probably could be somebody else that would work, but um, and then for Lloyd, I pick George Clooney because I think they have a, kind of a nice chemistry together. Mm. And for Addison, mm. Dewitt, I pick Benedict Cumberbatch.
0: I oh. love I love his, I love his <laughs> voice
2: so much, and, and also I mean he just the look, yeah. his look, you know. Yeah. I mean the, the, those piercing eyes of his. That I mean, you know, of looks could kill. It's a good pick. <laughs> it's a good mean? pick. Uh, anyway, that yeah. was kind of a fun, a fun little thing to think about.
0: Yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds good
1: i think that's good uh yeah you can't you could go wrong it, it'd be interesting to see if they did like a is it, we I mean we have the musical but if we had a um a broadway play with that can you imagine with that cast Oh my <laughs> that would be stars. amazing <laughs> yeah well very good let us know what you think of our remakes if you're listening what you would pick uh, it's always a lot of fun and tell us what you think of all about eve we'd love to hear your thoughts and i thanks so much stanford for joining us this was so much fun
2: you're so kind to include me thank you both i just love uh, it's always wonderful to talk with you and this was this was such a fun subject thank yeah.
0: you that was a pleasure thanks stanford And
1: you can find us on Twitter at Criterion Pod, and make sure you give us all of your comments and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And Coronado, where can people find you?
0: People can find me on Twitter at CocoHitsNY. And you can listen to my other podcast called Movie Marriage for an Invader, which it's going to be on the show notes, the link. And um, you can also watch my web series, Wormholes, which has a second season coming up very soon in the next couple of months. So uh, you guys can be on the lookout for that.
1: And I forgot to have you announce our next uh, pick.
0: Oh, that's right. So next time we are staying in the 50s Hollywood uh, realm. It seems like we have a bit of a mini obsession with the 50s and Hollywood lately. But we're going to be talking about the movie Imitation of Life Directed by Douglas Sirk. There's a Douglas Sirk melodrama section on the channel. And you know, both Rachel and I love uh, some good old fashioned melodrama. So we're going to be talking about that and hopefully having a good time. It's
1: going to be fun. So same for how can people find you?
2: On Twitter. I'm at Stanford Clark. As I already mentioned, I've got a movie podcast and blog, which can be found at movies, past and And please follow me on Instagram. Uh, My handle is at Movies P-A-P, as in past and present.
1: And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. And also check out the Hallmarkies podcast. We have a ton of fun over there. So thanks, everybody. And we'll talk to you all in a couple weeks. Bye, everyone.